Hi, I'm Oki, and welcome to Tell Me About Your Book. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tell Me About Your Book. I am really excited to be sitting down today with author Ruth Bamforth because she's written something that I haven't really, haven't really read, but I've been kind of interested in it. So her book is called Don't Fuss, Love God, Don't Fuss. I really, really like that title. Hi, Ruth. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Definitely thank you for coming to sit with me today and talk about your book because I really like the the description, the part where you say that your book is a straightforward, down-to-earth and unapologetic way talking about God. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I, I really like that description because it's not like it's not like pounding my head about it. So can you please tell me a little bit about your book? The book is actually my dad's work. My dad was a Church of England priest, although he did spend a lot of his working life whilst being a priest, also being a teacher. And he was a great communicator. He knew what to say to people and when to say it. And when he was still alive, he actually died seven years ago this coming Saturday. We said to him, Dad, why don't you put together a book of your thoughts and reflections on what it means to be a Christian. Oh, I don't think anybody would be really interested. But when he died, he left 365 sermons, all beautifully written out word for word. Oh, wow. And after he died, people kept saying how much they missed him, but how much they missed his teaching. So I thought... Well, Dad, you didn't want to pull your work together, but I'm going to do it for you. So what I have basically done is taken Dad's work, all 365 sermons, which took me a year to put into soft copy, because it was all in hard copy, and work out what to do with it. So the book is basically a, a study book, which has... Each chapter is a number of bite-sized chunks, so a sermon or thought piece, which answers questions like, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? What is prayer? How should I pray? What do I do? What does the Lord's Prayer really mean? I mean, I think a lot of people, whether or not they are Christian, but if they've been in a Christian tradition, can recite the words of the Lord's Prayer. But how many of us have actually thought about what the words actually mean. So the book looks to answer these questions in a very down-to-earth and straightforward way. And it asks at the end of every chapter a series of questions, which you can engage with or not. You could read it as a study book with a number of people, or you could dip in and out of it on your own. The idea is almost to have somebody sitting alongside you. And I've had some feedback from people who have read the book but didn't know dad, who've basically said, it's like having a wise voice sitting alongside you and explaining. And I think that's what I was really intending when I put the book together. That is so brilliant. That is so 
clever, amazing. I feel like even if even if you don't know much about it and you're interested in it, this is such a good jump start to just exploring about Christianity. So would this be something you definitely say for people to get their hands on when they're really curious about it? I think so. I think there's something in it for a lot of people. So whether you are saying, is Christianity for me? Definitely. But also because he says things in in a very accessible but multi-layered way. If you want to deepen your understanding about Christianity, the book also has something for you as well. And it doesn't preach or lecture. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It's saying, this is my view. There may be other views. This is my view. And this is why I think this. So it's not banging a particular drum. Dad came from a certain perspective and he knew why he believed what he believed. It's allowing people to ask questions. And if it prompts people to go and read some more, then I think I think it's done its job. I feel like he definitely had a gift of of words, gift of how to make you feel like you would understand this or how you would kind of plan out your journey toward this on your own. Kind of like a guide. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And what I found and especially say a lot of people talked to us about him after he died. He touched people who were obviously within the church, but he also touched people who were outside of the church because you know he he married a lot of people, he did a lot of funerals. He talked to a lot of people when he went shopping. <laughs> um, you know, and there was one chap came up to my mom after Dad died and said to her, you know, Stuart removed a burden which I carried for 40 years. Oh, wow. And, and, and mum said, very nice to hear it. Now, the guy thought that mum would have known exactly what he was talking about. But if you told anything to dad, he was confidence. He wouldn't talk to anybody about it. But he was still able to know what to say to ease somebody's burden or even to make them feel that they are remembered. So there was somebody else who he'd done a funeral for some family member, bumped into them. And I I was actually there on this occasion. I remember him saying, oh, is your ankle better? Because when I last saw you, you twisted your ankle. And I think it was that ability to communicate, to make somebody feel special, was a great part of his gift of communication and he had a great message to communicate i feel like he's still doing that when you're reading this book or when you're even gifting this book to somebody else i feel like his way of communication still kind of seeps through with your with your pages and your collection of of the essays and things how was it putting it together your process because they must be also, sorry to say, pretty emotional. Very emotional. He died on the 10th of December 2015. And in the January, I decided I was going to do a book. At that point, I didn't know what the book was going to look like. I was going to do a book. And it's been quite a journey. He left 365 sermons, all handwritten, which allowed me to do the project because I could type it out or dictate it onto the computer. And that took me a year. And there were some very 
emotional journeys along the way. Because one of the things, and, and the preface of the book deals with this, it talks about his death. And dad had had open heart surgery about four months before he died. And that was very successful. But he had a problem with his kidneys, which we didn't really know about. And it was that kidney problem which ended up being a great cause of his death. And at the end, he was in a in, in hospice. And um, my sister, my mum and I were all around the bed. He was very quiet. And then he said, there are five of us here. No, Dad, there are four of us. No, there are five of us, I tell you. The Lord is with us. And he talked us through his final journey and he told us we couldn't go all the way with him. And his last words, he died about 12 hours later, were, it is finished, goodbye, night. When I was going through his sermons, I found his last Good Friday, I think it was, sermon, which started off, it is finished, the cry of victory from the cross. It gets me emotionally every time. I can imagine. But it says a lot about his faith, that he wanted us to take him with us. But in a way, it also made me determined to try to do this for dad. Absolutely. For anybody who's thought about trying to get any book published. And I should say, I've got an unpublished detective novel in the cupboard and I never thought the book I would actually get published is this one. But... You have to stick with it because there's, um, I'm sure everybody knows, lots of rejections along the way. Having got some belief in the book and belief in what dad was trying to say really helped carry me through. And, you know, it took me about six years to actually get the book published. And I, I really feel that it's been a really helpful and worthwhile project. Not just for me, from, I suppose, from a grief perspective, because I, I have to acknowledge that. But it means that people out there, I'm sharing dad's words with everybody else. And if he can help other people in a small way, then I think that's fantastic. I lost my mom this year, so it's been extremely difficult. So it's just being able to relate to how important our parents' words are, it's definitely with you right now. So what do you think is your approach to what a prayer is, if you don't mind me asking? I think it depends where you are, because sometimes I think, you know, you can set, set out to say, right, I really need to concentrate and pray now. And then you can take yourself to a quiet space and sit down and concentrate and I think that's really important. But at the same time, our lives are really busy. Even if you can't carve out a large period of time, I think it's important to try to find a bit of quiet space, even if it's only a few moments, to focus on what's important and, and focus on prayer, even for that very short period of time. So, you know, it can be something longer and, if you like, planned into a day, but I think it's equally valuable to take the moments as and when they arise. That's definitely something that's needed by many, many people, which I feel will definitely get that effect from this book. Just feeling the 
the love and respect both from your dad's words and even your words. So this is this is great. So with this book and his many sermons and things, do you feel that it's completed or do you feel that you can definitely get more get more out of this just mainly just to just to get more of your dad's words out there um because it seems extremely extremely helpful do you think there'll be another follow-up i would like to think so yes and the book which i've currently got is actually half of my original manuscript okay the book is 176 pages long which when i look at it is actually a perfect length because you don't want something too big and too threatening when you look at it. Right. The bit that I decided not to publish on advice first time round is a series of sermons about the church year. Okay. So a series of sermons about Advent, Advent looking forward to Christmas, but also the sort of penitential end of the world stuff. Christmas, what is Lent? The events of Holy Week, Easter. So taking you through the church year. So in a way, it feels like the natural follow-on from asking questions like, well, what is a Christian? How do I pray? What does the Lord's Prayer mean? To say, okay, so what is Lent? How do we we approach it? So when I find a bit of time in... (laughs) You schedule that is life. Um, <laughs> I would like to be able to, it needs a bit more work to work that up. And then I don't know, it's seeing what else is out there because some of the sermons that he wrote, and I don't know whether he'd seen some of them as stories somewhere else in all the stuff he read, good little stories about things. So for example, and, and I I probably don't tell it very well, but <laughs> one of his sermons and I think you know you could tell this to a sort of any person of any age or certainly a child as well there were three trees and they were all growing up and they were wanting to be the best they could be mm-hmm. anyway they were all they were cut down and one of them was saying oh yes I want I want to be a great ship I want to sail the seas the other one oh I want to be a great throne and then the third one didn't really know but wanted to do something worthwhile anyway the first tree went off and did indeed become a great ship which sailed the great seas and the second tree became something you know very much worldly and the third tree waited in the store cupboard and waited and when his time came he was taken out for a very humble purpose the third tree was the cross on which christ was crucified and it's the way it's told In a sense, it's hard to put a sermon like that into an easy pigeonhole. But actually, I think there are a number of pieces that Dad wrote which are similar. So maybe whether it's putting them out on some websites or what, I I, I don't know yet. But I feel those sorts of, if you like, stories. I do. (laughs) You know, actually speak to people in a very different way. And I say even speak to children. So I think, it, you know, it's it's trying to see what I can shape some of this, the rest of this material into. I feel like I can listen to you also <laughs> telling his stories. I'm OK with that, honestly. <laughs> if you have like a like a podcast show like this, 
And each episode are these little stories. I would enjoy it. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to think about doing that. Can you tell me a little bit more about your publishing this book uh, as far as some maybe any speed bumps along the way or oh plenty so <laughs> um, I am not a writer for my job I'm a lawyer so right. um, this was a whole new experience and you read all this stuff on the internet about don't worry about rejection <laughs> I was very impressed my first application to a publisher was rejected in 10 minutes oh oh gosh geez yes I was like I don't think you've even opened my email really right. I think <laughs> I think you've just said no we're not interested okay geez <laughs> yeah so I was a bit like whoa I did quite a bit of research about what sort of publishers and because I didn't have an agent so I needed publishers who would accept unsolicited manuscripts so I must have sent at least 25, 30 applications off. And there was one publisher which showed quite a lot of interest in the book. Now, they didn't end up publishing it, but yes, so it was a bump in the road. But actually, it was a really, really helpful bump because they made a number of suggestions about the manuscript, which I think really improved the manuscript. Oh, okay. So, you know, they they suggested turning it into a study book, which I think works better than what I previously had. So whilst I did a lot of work with them, it was ultimately really disappointing when they said, no, we're not going to take it forward any further. Oh, man. Um, I realised in retrospect they'd given me a lot of help. And also I decided to be very cheeky and say, uh, well, hang on a minute, um, who would you suggest I submit the manuscript to? And they suggested submitting to Faith Builder, and it was, in fact, Faith Builder who published it. Wow, oh, nice. So I think, you know, it was, it was a long job. It's, it's always often said having a good title is really important. And my book initially had a very worthy and, I think, boring title. Um, <laughs> reflections on leading a christian life <laughs> i knew it was really boring i did knew <laughs> i was sitting watching tv with my husband one day and we were watching this cooking program the chef was traveling around in spain and visited this guy who um had been in a band and then had gone and restored this farm in spain and he'd written a book about his experience in spain and the book is called Driving Over Lemon. And they said, said, oh, you've got to have a good title for your book. So my husband turned to me and said, hmm, they're right. Your title is rubbish. You need a better <laughs> title. I'm like, I know, but I've been thinking for such a long time. And then it came to me, don't fuss. Love God. Don't fuss. Was actually one of dad's great phrases. Ah, perfect. Yeah. And, and it, you know, when it clicked, I'm like, yeah, why didn't I think of that before? <laughs> but I had it. So I feel the whole sort of the time it took to get me where I have, you know, to get it to publishing was, well, obviously, everybody wants it being done quicker. But actually, <laughs> I felt I learned a lot along the way. And the other thing is, it's not just publishing the book. Because 
who knows about a book unless you try to market it? Right. I'm like, okay, so I have a book which I have a lot of faith in, but it's niche. You know, I, I'm is, not writing, yeah. I am not writing cozy fiction or horror or romance or whatever, where I'm sure it's difficult to market in those areas as well. But my market is, right. you know, we, we're narrowing it, we're narrowing it the world down a bit. More and more, right? <laughs> yeah. So then what do you do? Well, I hadn't previously been a great fan of social media, but I've been on Twitter a year now. Yay. <laughs> uh, I, I have a Facebook author page. I did a book launch, which I was able to put out. Um, nice. I was interviewed for local radio here in the UK. And it's opening up a, quite a lot of doors in a sense of what do you do? How do you, how do you publicise something? It's a whole, it's a whole other world. And I know I was lucky because I managed to get two Church of England bishops to endorse the book. Because I'm thinking, wow. you know, that helps, doesn't it? If you've got right. somebody writing a foreword saying this is good, <laughs> but it really made me think. Actually, the journey to having the book in my hat, which was super exciting, and you know, people, I can say my publisher. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not really, but you know they did a fantastic job about packaging the book and the front cover's amazing. Um, it's the real deal. It's like where does this go from here? And in fact, a friend of my mom's phoned her up the other day and said, "I've just seen the book in Liverpool Cathedral. Oh, There's a big cool. display." I'm like, "That's great," but you know, it's getting the book in your hand in a sense, is the start of the process. Because if you don't tell people about it, if you don't share the story, you know, I am not a famous author. Dad is not a famous person. How is anybody going to know it's out there? Right. A thin book on a shelf gets lost. Yes, it does. I suppose this now has been an exciting thing to try to give the book life and so talking to you yeah um, <laughs> you know but this is this is only the second time I've done something like this so taking the opportunities when they come volunteering for things I never thought I'd volunteer for <laughs> tweeting things I never thought I'd tweet but actually it's really exciting to be able to share and tell the story and That's tell the story right. you know share what I've been able to do so where can we get your book, Ruth? So it's in good bookshops and it's on Amazon. I will definitely put that in the show notes as well. Well, I want to say thank you for coming on here and and sharing about your your dad and sharing about your process. And this is such a book that I think I, I like the fact that it's not it's not so concrete in like in you have to do this and this and this in order for you to understand Christianity. I, I like the fact that it's like, let's explore this together and giving me yeah. ideas, giving me questions. Do you have any last minute thing to say before we go? Enjoy the book. That's perfect. Um, <laughs> just to read it and enjoy and see where the journey takes you. Thank you for that. Once again, I just want to say I'm, I feel really honored that you're talking 
really candidly about how this book came about and about the book itself, beginning of the new year. And I feel like a lot of people like to explore mentally and inward of how they want to start a new year is because we've had COVID and all these things. So there's a, to me, there's a lot of questioning what the heck is happening and our inner peace too, to deal with so many stressful events. So thank you, Ruth, for coming by. And uh, hopefully we get to continue to see the rest of the sermons that you have, because I think the journey hasn't, it's not ending right here, but have a good day. And I'll talk to you sometime later. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me About Your Book. All the other information from this episode will be in the show notes. Please support indie authors as well as indie bookstores. And of course, the other podcasts, Books, Cats, and Snacks, where me and Caddy talk about all things books and, well, her cats too. See you then. Bye. Bye.